Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh. And before I introduce my guest, I just want to give you a couple of updates. The first book in my Devlin Legacy series, The Devlin Witch Book One, is out and available, and it is free. So please check that out. Um, and also my latest release, Cold Spring, is available at $2.99 for the ebook, and then also it's available on audiobook. So please check those out. Anyway, I'm so pleased this evening to introduce Kat Johnson. Kat is a New York Times and USA Today bestselling author. Her titles include One Night with a Cowboy and Saved by a Seal. So welcome, Kat, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. How are you this evening? Thank you. I'm wonderful. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, I'm so pleased that you were able to join me this evening. Um, the reason why I invited Kat on my show, she gave a really fantastic presentation at the Liberty States Conference, and so I just wanted to pick her brain, and she's had a really interesting writing journey. So maybe, Kat, you can tell us about how long you've been writing professionally. Well, huh, that's a that's a twofold question, um, but I'll try to cover it quickly. Two weeks out of college, I got my first contract to write um, for a young adult series um, through Western Publishing, and I ended up writing about 12 young adult novels, work for hire. They gave me the story Bible. They gave me a one-page outline of what I had to write, and they gave me a check, and I did 12 of those. Then there was this long hiatus where that series wrapped up, I started to sub to some houses that, this was years ago, I'm I'm old, um, and publishing was locked down tight. That was like legacy publishing was it. And I got a couple of rejections, which was a shock because I had gotten handed a contract right out of college without even trying. And I went into the real world and I got a marketing job and I was, you know, basically in the business world for about 15 years. And then e-books hit. And about mm-hmm. 2006, there were all the little indie pubs, and they were popping up digital press, popping up everywhere. And I entered a writing contest, and they chose me to be put into their – it was little. It was this little newsletter writing contest. And that inspired me to start subbing again. And I got picked up by the small press, which was eventually bought up by Sam Hain, which is the second largest digital press. And then – about 60 ebooks later, I now have um, a New York publishing contract. Because of my ebook success with Sam Hain, Kensington asked me to sub to them. Um, I'm on my sixth book for them now. And I'm still doing some series for Sam Hain, which is digital. And then I'm doing my own self publishing. So I am a true hybrid in every sense of the word. Absolutely. Yeah, you absolutely are. You absolutely are. are. And it's amazing that you started writing so young. Um, and then stopped for a while. And what you know, what what was the reason that you stopped? It, it, was it the rejection after you had finished up that that series, or was it just that you kind of needed to live a little? I think it was really. I have kind of like two parts to my personality. As much as I love being a writer, I love the marketing aspect just as much. And I did have um, a dual major that I was a marketing major and an English major. And I think it's just as much a draw for me to go into marketing and to be in that world as it was to be into writing. And marketing was just a lot easier and more open back then. I mean, we're talking back in the late 80s, early 90s when you had you went the agent route and you went to the big houses or you got rejected 100 times or more. 
So I really do love the marketing. I think that's what's so great about right now in our publishing landscape today is that I probably do more marketing than I do writing. And I think that's a really good fit for me because I do have those two sides to my personality. Now, is writing your full-time career at this point? It is. I'm a full-time writer, but as I said, I probably I got asked this at the Liberty States Conference. How much time do you think you devote to writing compared to marketing, and you know everything else I do? I said it's probably 10% writing. But yes, this is my only job. This is my technical real job right now. <laughs> so you're already living so many writers' fantasy life because that is certainly I, I my am. fantasy. <laughs> Um, I, you know, I write, I'm still working as a lawyer, unfortunately. Um, I hope my boss isn't listening. <laughs> no, I do, I do enjoy, I do enjoy being a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for a long time, but I started writing probably about six or seven years ago and it's so different from my daytime life. And, you know, often my husband will ask me, you know, if you won the lottery tomorrow, would you just want to write? And I'm not sure, you know what I mean? Because I, right now writing for me is, you know, although I'm 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 out there, I'm I'm self-published at this point. I, I'm pursuing a career in it. It's still kind of a, a an oasis from my everyday life. So mm-hmm. if I had to get up in the morning and say, All right now I have to write you know X number of pages, otherwise I can't pay my mortgage. I don't know. Well, I guess if I won the lottery, I wouldn't have to worry about that part of it. But um, <laughs> you know, I, it's it's you know, like I said, it's you're you're in so so many ways living people's you know, fantasy life, being able to write. But as you said, writing is is only part of it. And so what do you think has changed in terms of your marketing plan from when you were just traditionally published and now that you're an indie published writer? Well, I mean, that's the kind of the dirty little secret of being traditionally published is that so much of the marketing falls on your shoulders no matter what. Now, when I was back when I was 19, 20, 21, and I got that contract right out of college i didn't even see like i sent in my manuscript and then i get a box of books on my doorstep a couple of months later i did nothing that's totally different now in the romance field where kensington is very good about paying for book bub ads for me paying for romantic times ads for me um sending a hundred books if i need them for a signing you know for a charity or whatever but there, I'm on the Facebook and too, and Twitter and blogs and sending out, you know, requests for, you know, interviews and stuff like that. It so much of it falls on our shoulders and my branding. I mean, my catch ons in branding. When I go to a conference, I'm in cowboy boots if I'm promoting a cowboy book, and I'm in combat boots if I'm promoting a military book. So it really consumes your life, your brand, your personal author brand, and that is not something that any publisher will do for you. I mean, maybe Nora Roberts, might publisher, might help her out, but that's still her. It's still her. So it really is all-consuming. And so that part really hasn't changed as far as me being indie. What has changed is the not-fun part of promo, the technical orchestration of the market, and the consumer buying habits, and it sounds horrible, but it really is a business. It's a product. A book is a product. And me having to decide what month is the best for a release, how long I can space my releases before I start losing, losing readers, when, you know, when to hit, the, you know, for the best times to hit a list. And all of that stuff is so time-consuming, watching the market, learning, watching other people, analyzing what's on the top of the bestseller charts, analyzing why they're there. That kind of stuff is, 
goes underneath my promo marketing, even though it's more technical. And then there's the fun stuff. I mean, there's the fun stuff that I send my swag to a, a little restaurant out in Oklahoma that I wrote into my book, and they now promote my books in their restaurant and have me on the menu. That stuff's the fun stuff, but unfortunately that's the small part of the marketing. I actually picked up from your the conference, I think you had um, – too hot to handle the the yeah. oven glove, the oven mitt, yes. and yes. I've, I've been using them. <laughs> Good. Well, I, I mean, I definitely think the marketing background has to have helped because so much of you know, again, a lot of writers they wanted you to just do the writing, and they mm-hmm. they you know, in some ways, either they don't want to spend the time to promote or don't know what to do, you know what I mean? Because, and a lot of what you talked about in your presentation was those, you know, when to hit, when to release a book. And you can't, where do you find out that information? I mean, there's no, if if you just buy one, and there's a lot of marketing books, marketing for writer books out there, but sometimes by the time you read that book, that, you know, that wave has passed. So how did you educate yourself The moment that book is released on how to market, that marketing tip is probably outdated. This is the fastest-moving industry I've ever seen, and we are living in the Wild West of publishing. Things that are true today are not true tomorrow. Um, where do I find it? Lots and lots of observations. Watching those lists, watching who's hitting, why they're hitting, you know, the number one in Amazon, why they're hitting number one in their category, in your category. Um, talk to other authors. People are very interested and very willing to talk. A lot of these talks happen behind closed doors. There's these little niche groups of authors who just hang out together in these little private Facebook groups and they talk about, you know, I put up a pre-order today and, it, you know, the, my sales spikes. Why is that? Just little analyzing things like that and that you have to constantly be online. And it's I have never worked as hard in my life as I've worked working for myself. I get up, I turn on that computer, and it's on my lap until I go to sleep at night. And it's not for the faint of heart, and a lot of people wouldn't want to do it. I think it's like I have this hunger to, to learn more and like learn why, and that's not everybody. And I, I mean, there are people you can pay to do this, but that's very difficult to find someone who's who can has your goals in mind and can. There's so many people out there who think I can do this. I can I can market a book for you, but I. I personally am too much of a control freak. You might have heard that already. Um, <laughs> that I, I don't know if I could train someone to think the way I think right now. And yeah, it's just, and I it's, think what's um, dangerous too is because this is the wild west, and I think that's a great description of where we are right now. There's a lot of people who want to prey on writers' dreams and want mm-hmm. to, you know, pick your pocket. And not necessarily that they're trying to swindle you, but they want to make a buck too. And so. You know what? You know you can call yourself. You can set up a web page and say I'm a book promoter, and maybe you have marketing, um, you know, experience in in different areas. But you know who's to say paying you know a couple of thousand dollars, and I think that's what they charge, to you know get you on a couple of blog sites. Maybe that's helpful, and maybe it's not. And so you know if you have the appetite and the expertise to do it yourself, you know I think you're probably more well served. I think the difficulty is people like in my boat where I have a full-time job and mm-hmm. so I certainly don't put as much time into promoting as I would as I should if I really want my books to get to the next level and so what do you do you know and I mean do you have any um views in, in terms of how effective you know third-party marketing 
groups are? Do you have any friends who have had any experience there? I think it's less and less effective to be going the old school route, the blog tours, you know, the cover release mm-hmm. tours. I think that's the old school stuff doesn't work as well if it ever worked that great. I think that was all we had to begin with. Now, right. I think what you got to do is look behind the scenes, the metadata, mm-hmm. choices in covers, choices in keywords, um, it's things that you're entering that the customer will never see in the back end when you upload your books. And the titles of the books, I'm seeing who's on the bestseller list, and it's it's things like my step bro- my billionaire stepbrother's secret baby. It's sad to say, <laughs> but the old Harlequin-esque titles, they're keyword-packed, and that's what somebody's going to – someone's going to say, oh, I'm in the mood for a secret baby book. Type in secret baby. If your na- book is named My Secret Baby, it's going to pop up. It's horrible, and it's not elegant, and it's sad, but that's going to be a bestseller because some – because there are thousands of women who might say, I'm in the mood for a secret baby book today. And it's it's horrible, but it also relieves us from all of that, oh, i got to do a blog tour, i got to write 20 blog posts. No, you just got to pick the correct subtitle for your book, and that could get you on the bestseller list and sell hundreds of thousands of copies that you never thought you could sell because you happen to hit on that keyword. That's amazing. That's amazing. So all of these RT-type titles maybe are not, you know, are... are are not really serving your book that well because it's exactly and you can see how that in the old days when the books were paper on a shelf it didn't matter you just had to have a pretty cover now Mm -hmm. because we're dealing with technology everything is is different it's a totally different landscape and for people who are not aware what yeah what is what is metadata and a very quick quick definition for people who maybe aren't aware of what that is when I upload my book in Amazon for sale, and then of course there's the field for title, there's a field for author, there's a field for subtitle, there's a field for series title. Then there's the categories, and you get to pick like fiction, literature, women's fiction, fiction, romance, contemporary. Apple and Google, they give you a lot of categories. Amazon limits you to two categories, so that's a challenge. But then they let you list keywords. You're also limited to keywords. So for my books, let's say the seal book, I would put it in like contemporary romantic suspense, um, romance, contemporary action adventure. And then in the keywords, I would put military, you know, Navy SEAL, any of those things, any places that it takes place, Afghanistan or whatever. And you got to hope that those keywords get you the extra categories so that it shows up in more categories in Amazon. And you can tell what book a category is in, if you go to the detail page and you scroll all the way down to the bottom and it shows all the categories it's in. And as an author, I'll go look at similar books to mine and I'm going to go stalk their categories and see what they're using for categories and try to figure out what keywords they use to get in there. Mm-hmm. And from a reader's perspective, this is all kind of behind the scenes, as you said. They'll just put in a search word, like you said, you know, my boyfriend's baby or whatever, my secret baby, and see what pops up. So they'll put exactly. in, I want a military romance, I like seals, and you're hoping that your book will pop up. But okay. they'll also shop the bestseller list. And right now, because Kensington just put my One Night with a Cowboy on sale for one I'm number, and they ran a book bub. So as of this afternoon, last time I checked, I was number one in military romance. As a military romance reader, I will probably go and look at Amazon's top 20 in military romance. But mm-hmm. that's not a category I could choose. That's a category I wiggle into by putting the right keyword in the back end. Right, right, right. 
Wow. Well, maybe um, so we don't bore all the all your fans. <laughs> we'll probably want to talk more about what your books are about as opposed to how to sell them. Why did you choose cowboys, and why did you choose to focus on Navy SEALs? Well, I was just telling you before we went on air how I listened to Jessica Scott, who came on to talk about her military, um, and I heard in her voice, and, and I hear this a lot, oh, well, I don't write Navy SEALs, I write military. Well, here's my history. Back in 2006, um, when I first got my little publishing contract with that little digital publisher, um, I said to the editor, I would love to write a military romance. Is there any interest in that? And she says, yes, I'd love to have a military romance from you. I was reading Suzanne Brockman at the time, Allison Kent, and it was right about the time that um, Task Force 145 had just taken out al Zarqawi. And this was, I mean, you know, right after 9-11, a couple of years after 9-11. Mm-hmm. So all these... Um, I was very attuned to you know, not only military, but because I was reading spec ops and everything. So I did make up my own little team of special operatives to write this little novella for this digital press. And I found that there was stuff I couldn't get off of Google, that I had to go and actually talk to deployed soldiers. So I started to send care packages through booksforsoldiers.org, which is a great organization, and I started to get thank you notes. And every time I got a thank you note, thank you for the, you know the razors, for the flip-flops, for the Easter candy, whatever, um, they sent me a note. I'd say, thank you, you know, for serving. Would you ever consider reading one of my books and telling me if I did anything wrong? And they would say, sure, and they would actually become my pen pals. And I had, so I had active duty military that were writing me daily from back then, the hot zone was Ramadi. And they were giving me this gold. And this one guy was um, a tanker. And he mm-hmm. wanted to be a writer, and he would send me these long emails about how, you know, the alarms would go off. He'd go running out with his boots untied to the tanks. He'd see the tracer bullets, like angry yellow jackets above his head. I, he was telling me these crazy stories, and I mean, he wasn't endangering, you know, operational security, but he was giving me these details that made me hungry to want to write the boots on the ground. So I started to write general infantry and, you know, tankers and platoon sergeants, and I had this whole series of these actual military guys over there, but then I would have to weave in a romance somehow. They'd have a pen pal at home. They'd have a female reporter go over there, and they'd have to protect her. It was tough getting the women into these stories because they were deployed male units. But I had a series of books with 13 books in it, and 90% of those books are general infantry guys. Unfortunately, those books are not selling all that great. Um, one thing is they're with a publisher, and I don't know what they're putting in their metadata, and I don't know if they're marketing them with the way I would market them. So I can't discount the books. I think there's a lot of challenges with them, the way they're being marketed right now. So when someone asked me just a year ago, a year ago about right now, um, would you want to be in my military box set? It's about SEALs. I said, oh, right, SEALs. And then I started to think, you know what? If I go on a box set, and it's all bestseller, best-selling authors, and I can get this box set to launch a new series. One, it will be a test for me to see if I throw all my resources behind a self-pub military series, can I make it sell better, can I make it a bestseller, which is something my publisher hasn't been able to do. And number two, will it push those backlist books that are my military books that I love, but the readers just aren't finding so I wrote a SEAL novella, and I threw it in this box set, and we hit both New York Times and USA Today with this box set. 
and that launched the Navy SEAL series, and I've been leapfrogging one new book every three months to keep the reader's interest, and it, three of the books have hit the USA Today, two of them on their own, without any box set behind them at full price. So... I'm finding I'm getting some more sales from my military romance, that poor little series, Red Hot and Blue series, that readers aren't finding the way they should. Um, Mm -hmm. But the seals are selling like hotcakes. And I do feel bad because I want to write about the the normal guys, you know, the everyday guys. So what I'm having to do is write those challenges for the seals because they have the same challenges coming home from a deployment, you know, having to reintegrate with their families, dealing with red tape, dealing with being medically retired when they're not ready and their guys, other friends are all still active duty. So I try to give the readers an essence of what the entire military is going through, but the seals are what the readers want. And But it is sparking some interest in your backlist. Some, or it's not. not as much. Yeah. I mean, it's also an old, they're old by now. I mean, they they started releasing in like 2007, and I released them right up until like last year. But, uh, you know, they've got some age to them. But, yeah, but you never I, I know, think, right? You never know yeah. when they'll spark up again. And, mm-hmm. you know, and they, even, even if they they gave you the interest in this genre, which has now turned out to be so successful, right? You probably wouldn't have been mm-hmm. comfortable writing about the seals if you hadn't had all that background and hadn't done all the work to really get inside the head of the military. Because I, I assume that you're, you weren't in the military yourself. I don't know if you come from a military family, but it's, I think it's difficult to get in that mindset unless you do the work. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you did do the research and the work. So, you know, I just think like anything you it, – it's – it's hard to see a book that you love kind of languish and not find a readership. So, um, but they, I think every book helps you write your next book. You know what I mean? So it's all good, right? Yes. And um, now what about the Cowboys? Now you, when did you start writing about the Cowboys and what, what are the similarities between your Cowboy books and your seal books other than they're probably, you know, alpha males. The funny thing is, the cowboy book came out of that one army guy. He was um, emailing me, and he said, did I ever tell you that my Bravo team leader used to be a bull-riding cowboy before he joined that army? And I was like, no. (laughs) I said, that would have been a good thing for me to know. He's like, you think you could write a book about something like that? I was like, yeah, I can definitely write a book about that. So my first cowboy book was um, actually the editor had been pushing me to write a menage because the erotic romance was really blowing the lid off all the sales back then. And um, I was like, I don't know. I can't just can't picture my military guys having a threesome and sharing a girl. They're just such alpha males. They're so, you know, territorial. But then I'm thinking, huh, if I had two young farmers, you know, hired hands and one farmer's daughter, and then I could have them, you know, be fighting over this girl, but then they all decide to, you know, be together. But then one joins the army and the other one stays home and becomes a, you know, a champion rodeo rider. What kind of story would that be? So that was my first menage, my first cowboy book. And again, I needed more than Google. So I, my, this is how old I am. MySpace was popular back then. So I went on MySpace and I searched rodeo cowboys. And this one guy came up, his handle was Rodeo Cowboy, and he was a rodeo rider from Oklahoma State. And I said, cold emailed him and said, I'm not a stalker, I'm not crazy, here's my books, here's my website, would you ever answer some questions for me about the rodeo, about 
you know, being a cowboy. And he's like, sure. So he's like, but I'm a bull rider, and you're riding um, bronc riders. It's I could probably help you, but it's really totally different. So I was like, well, next book is going to be bull riders. And that launched my bull riding series, which I am working on the ninth book of right now that's still going with Sam Hain. And I just loved riding the cowboys. They are so similar because they're all alpha males. I mean, these guys go out and put their lives on the line. The soldiers and the rodeo guys, they put their lives on their line every time they go out to do their job. And they love it. And they, you know, they run for more. I think they're all adrenaline junkies. And it's very easy to switch back and forth between the cowboys and the military guys because they are so similar. And I mean, a lot of authors have problems trying to convert their readers if they write, like, paranormal and contemporary. They're like, I can't convert my readers. I have no problems with my cowboy readers loving my military and vice versa because they're just basically all yeah, alpha males. So it's just similar. different boots. Dip cowboy boots versus yeah. combat. <laughs> That's great. That's a great way to describe it, different <laughs> boots, different boots. Yeah, no, I definitely see how that would be, um, you know, that would be um, some cross-readership. Now, in terms of the heat level of your books, you said you wrote Menage. Are your books, are all your books in that you know erotica realm, or are they just hot contemporaries? They totally run the gamut. It depends. I have to put my mindset in which publisher I'm writing for. When I'm writing for Sam Hain, it better be hot, and the hotter the better, and the faster they get to bed, the better. When I'm writing for Kensington, I have to tone it down. And actually, for the Seal series, I've toned it down quite a bit because I'm trying to target like the the Laurie Foster market, you know, where it's there's the heat is there, the sex is there, but it is not in your face. I'm not using the the F word, you know, the C word. I'm I'm they're definitely doing it, and sometimes you see it, and but it's it's more like something you'd see on television as compared to you know the the real in your face you know menage stuff or whatever. Right. Right, right, right. Oh, wow. So you really got now. You, but you still write everything under the Cat Johnson name, right? You don't have. I a different do. Names. I You're... tried. I had a grand experiment a couple of years ago. One of my friends decided, as we were analyzing the market, my author friend said, "All these new author names are hitting." That she goes, "These new authors are not new. I know they're not. They're old authors using new names, and they're coming out and pretending they're new authors and being discovered, and that's why they're hitting the top of all the charts." She's like, we need to write a new series with a new name. I was like, all right, I will throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. So I wrote a first-person, new adult, dirty, dirty, dirty story (laughs) under a different name. (laughs) And it languished. I was getting five-star reviews because people were expecting crap because I was a no-name. Little did they know, you know, I'm a New York Times best-selling author writing under a fake name. So And I was like, this is a really good story, and as much as I tried to make it erotica, it ended up being romance. The more I wrote, the more romance it became. And yeah, they were having lots of sex, but in the end, they fell in love. So I was like, you know what, forget about it. This, I like this story. Re- readers like this story. They're giving me five stars. I said, Kat Johnson can't get five stars, but Carrie Lane is getting five stars for everything she wrote. So... I finally came out of the closet, and I said, okay, this is going to be Kat Johnson writing as Carrie Lane. Uh, because, and it's first person, so that jars people because usually I write in third person all my stuff except for this little dirty series. And I released it. It still it didn't burn up any charts. You know, it sells a couple of copies. Um, but it was refreshing to write, you know, something different, to not have to worry, oh, 
how do I explain this woman wants to have sex? Well, I made her a hooker. There was no explaining it. So it was it was kind of like a palate cleanser, and I enjoyed it. Now, how did you, you know? feel about writing in the first person? Did that? Again, it was a nice a change. And I think it worked very well for that series. And I also think in that market, the erotica and the new adult, it's expected. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm much more comfortable writing in the third person for the military and the cowboys, mostly because I switch back and forth between the hero and the heroine. And it's a lot easier to switch third person back and forth, hero, heroine, hero, heroine, than it is when if the first person, it gets problematic. If you want to get into the hero's head, you either have to have him be first person too and then explain to the reader what you're doing or, like, name the chapter, you know, his chapter, her chapter. Or you right. have to have her be first person and him be third person, and I, I'm afraid that'll be jarring. And it'll probably mess me up. I'll probably keep switching back and forth into the wrong one. Um, so I like it, but I'm going to leave it just for that Cat House series and not for the other stuff. Mm-hmm. So now, do you find, do all your books or most of your books are they in a series? Is that what you're focusing on, or do you ever write any standalones? Onesie twosies don't do it um, for sales mostly. It's 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 a financial reason um, because onesie twosies don't sell well. Series sell like hotcakes. But number two, I always find if I write a standalone. People say, oh, but the side character needs so-and-so. His best friend needs a story, and the secretary needs a story. And before you know it, you've got a series. And the military and the cowboys both lend themselves to series because they're groups of men. And if one mm -hmm. guy gets his happy ending, there are still five more guys waiting in the wings to get their happy endings. So they really are just naturally lend themselves to series. So I definitely concentrate on series. It's easier. The world has been built this, the character side characters are established, and the readers really chomp at the bit for that next story, for that next character that they love. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of your active series now, your your sealed series—that's your self-published series. How many more yes. books do you think will be in that series, or do you not know? Um, I don't know. I think I will let it run its course, and when it feels like it's done, it'll be done. But I have two more guys hanging in the wings now waiting for their happy endings. And then, because it is a, a team, I, I, there are new guys coming in and joining the teams all the time. So I have two that I have to write this summer, and then I will start introducing new characters because I don't see this series ending anytime soon because people love it so much and it sells so well. Um, for my... Professional Bull Rider series, I'm coming to the end of that. I'm pretty sure that this book I'm writing right now is going to be the last one. All the guys have their happy endings. I'm adding characters at this point just to get more books. Um, and I, I think that it's it's very hard to get readers to invest in a series when they come into a new book and say, oh, this is book nine. I don't want to read one through eight. I mean, if they love it, they will. But I think it's a daunting idea for them to even buy a book nine, even though they're all standalone. And you don't have to read them in order or all of them at, at all. I think it's kind of daunting to think, oh, you know, I this I'm coming in late, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Well, Kat, thank you so much for um, for speaking with me this evening. It's it's really interesting to hear um, about how strategic you are with your writing, and and it kind of inspires me a little bit because, again, I, I'm kind of like writing what I feel like writing. And so I've mm -hmm. kind of hopped around genres. I'm one of those people that says, you know, I can't get people who like my paranormal book to necessarily go over to my contemporaries, even mm -hmm. though they have a lot of similarities. So, um, you know, I definitely definitely will think about maybe uh, turning my books more into series. I did write a, a paranormal series. 
um, but my contemporaries have all been standalone. So you've given me an awful lot to, to think about. Now maybe you can talk about um, just maybe give us the name of the um, the latest seal book that's out and maybe um, tell us what what your publication uh, schedule is. And then if there are any upcoming um, if, I don't know. I know that you do a lot of presentations. Do you have any upcoming appearances that you want to talk about? I do. I will be in Dallas in May at the Romantic Times Book Lovers Convention. Um, I'll be sitting on a couple of panels there, and we also have this big cowboy reader party, so that's fun. And I actually got invited. This is pretty amazing. There's a cover model party, and they're going to do something really fun. They invited a couple of authors to read some of their sexy scenes, not too sexy, from their books, and the cover models are going to grab a woman out of the audience and act out, you know, in a PG manner, the scene that the author is reading live. So that's oh going to be interesting. Really <laughs> yeah, so that does sound fun. like fun. Yeah, and I will be reading from my next release, which is coming in less than two weeks. It's exciting. It's my Kensington book. It's... um. It's being put out through the Zebra imprint, so it will be in mass market paperback, and it will be on the shelves in Walmart and Barnes and Noble, so that's fun, and also an ebook and an audio book. Um, it's the Midnight Ride, and it's going to launch the new Midnight Cowboys series. Um, as I said, I have six books with Kensington. They like to group their things in threes and threes. So I have the Oklahoma Night series with them, which is books one through three. This is a brother of one of the guys in the Oklahoma Night series, but they, Kensington, chose to make him the launch of the next three books under the Midnight Cowboy series because I think they really do feel that threes are a nice chunk for readers to invest in the series, but it's not overwhelming. Rather than books one through six, they'd rather have book one through three and then book one through three of the spin-off series. So anyway, Midnight Ride releases in um, April 28th. And that last book, that seal book that had actually released like the week I saw you at the um, Liberty States, hit the USA Today list, and that was Kissed by a Seal. They're all hot Kissed seals, and they all have seals. Seal. Yeah, no, I remember you had that, that <laughs> cover. The cover was yep. really great. Uh, I love yep. that. Well, thanks so much. Now, maybe you could tell us where we could find you online. Um, at CatJohnson.net. Um, on Facebook, it's Cat Johnson Author is my Facebook page, and then Twitter is Cat underscore Johnson. Well, that's great. Well, make sure that you like the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page, and, and let us know when you have some releases. I like to post updates from all my uh, my guests on the show, so please make oh, sure you do you. that. And again, Cat, thanks so much. This has been a really wonderful interview, and best of thank luck you. with all your all your cowboys and your seals. <laughs> thanks. Um, so just wanted to give everyone, a, a, again, a little update. I have some really great interviews coming up. Um, I will be posting um, schedules on my Facebook fan page. So if you haven't liked the Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books Facebook fan page, please make sure you do. Also, if you want to sign up for my newsletter, I will give information about um, about the show and also about my releases. You can get information on that on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. Um, also, just another reminder, The Devlin Witch, book one, is free. So please check that out. Um, you can get a cover, see the cover and excerpts for that book on BernadetteWalsh.com. And also Cold Spring, which is only $2.99 on ebook and also has the audiobook released, um, is also um, available, and you can check that out on my website, BernadetteWalsh.com. So thanks, everyone for joining me. This is Bernadette Walsh. 
Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.